Welcome to Casting Hope, a sermon podcast of Hope Presbyterian Church in Columbus, Ohio. My name is Joe Hack, lead pastor at Hope, and we are so glad you're listening in wherever you are. In this moment of social distancing, we hope that our audio and streaming resources meet you where you are at and help you stay connected to God and to His promises. We are continuing our sermon series called Resolute, Tenacious Faith for Tumultuous Times. And we're saying over and over again that these are tumultuous times, but we're also reminded that it helps to know that this is nothing new for God's people. We have seen over the weeks that God gives his people faith. Faith is a gift. But the faith that God gives his people is a tenacious faith. Last week we looked at the the first few verses of the book of Acts, and we saw how central the ascension of Jesus was to the early church. And we explored, if you were with us, how the ascension might be a key ingredient to tenacious faith. Well, this week we're going to fly over the book of Acts, over the Pentecost, over the expansion of the church, over the conversion of Saul to Paul, the apostle, over all of Paul's missionary journeys, And we will lay in the plane on the last few verses of the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verse 30. It's well known that the book of Acts ends abruptly. I mean, have you ever watched a movie or read a book uh, that ends abruptly? It's frustrating, but it's always on purpose. And in the case of Acts... Luke is telling us that the story that he is writing is not over. It's still being written by you and by me. But how? Well, let me read the text. We'll pray and we'll ask the question, how? This is God's word. Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God in teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is God's word. Let me pray. Lord, may the words of my mouth and with the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. And Holy Spirit, come. We need your empowering presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as many or most of you know, uh, by now, COVID came to the Hack family this past week. Despite our best efforts, four out of the five of us tested positive last week. And if you're wondering, Lewis is the one who escaped. This must be his superpower. Now, I think it's important to mention right now, in case this is on your mind, that I am live streaming alone. My family's upstairs uh, without any outside help. Just for public health's sake, it's good for you to know. We are under isolation orders from the health department, which is why you have to bear with my singing and leading of worship uh, yet another Sunday. Uh, Many of you have been asking how we are doing and how I have been doing. In fact, on Friday, I received a text from a friend out of town asking this exact question, and I, re- and I replied this way. I said, I feel 
bound. I feel bound. And it's true. I feel bound now more than I ever have in my life. When the pandemic started, I felt bound. And now that I have it, even more so. But you don't have to have COVID under isolation orders to feel bound. We're all feeling bound in different ways these days. I think all of us would be doing things differently right now if we could. Amen? All of us. We'd be going places right now that we can't. We'd be doing things that we can't do right now. In 2020, it all feels like everybody is on some kind of cruel house arrest. Well, in the text that we just read, the Apostle Paul is on house arrest. Literally, he was imprisoned to await trial before Nero. Why? For his witness to Jesus. But this imprisonment isn't maybe what you are thinking or what you're imagining. If you scroll up to verse 16 in Acts 28, it tells us that Paul was not behind bars per se, But he was allowed to stay by himself with a guard. Verse 16 says, And when we came to Rome, Paul was allowed to stay by himself with the soldier that guarded him. And then verse 23, if you look down, says people were able to visit him in pretty good number. Verse 23 says, And when they had appointed a day for him, they came to him at his lodging in greater numbers. And then in our passage that we just read aloud, we see that Paul paid his own rent while under house arrest. And so he wasn't on total lockdown, uh, but he also wasn't totally free to go and to do all that he wanted to do. Does that sound familiar? Now, let me be clear. I'm not comparing the persecution that Paul is experiencing in Acts Uh, with the pandemic that we are experiencing. Uh, But I am comparing the fact that we are both bound in an undesirable way by a circumstance that is out of our control. Think about it. Paul was given by God a life mission. Paul's life mission was to advance the gospel uh, to the world. And now he can't even walk outside of his house. And some even suggest, historians say, that Paul is actually chained to the guard that we read about in verse 16. So when Paul was called in the ministry, I am sure he did not imagine two years. That's what it says He lived there for two whole years, two years, 24 months, chained to a guard, unable to leave his house. That's not what he imagined, I'm sure, when he thought about the worldwide expansion of the gospel. But that is where he is. And Luke wants us to know that. And that's where we are, too. Now, we did not sign up for this. I did not sign up for this. And maybe you're wondering, how does this all end? How can the church be the church? Our church's mission is to extend the welcome of Jesus. Do we just press pause on our mission during this time? And what will come of this time? Will this pandemic season, uh, in retrospect, be a net loss for the church? Not just our church, Hope, but the church in their nation and the church across the world? Well, Luke has a word for all of us. We may feel bound. We may, in fact, be bound. 
But the gospel is very much unbound. The last verses of Acts has an apostle bound up by circumstances outside of his control. But the message that he is proclaiming is exactly the opposite. It is unbound or it's unhindered. The very last word of the book of Acts, and this is on purpose, is unbound or without hindrance. See, Acts 28 is an invitation to you and to me and to all who feel bound. It's an invitation to all who feel frustrated that their their life has been bound. It's an invitation as a church to become the unbound church. And I think this little snapshot into Paul's two-year house arrest shows us two things about what we could be right now. As an unbound church. And those two things that I see in these two verses is number one, a kingdom hospitality. And number two, a kingdom boldness. First, Luke is inviting us into what I'm calling a kingdom hospitality. It's like no other hospitality that you've ever heard ever thought of before. It's a kingdom hospitality. In our verses, Paul is on house arrest, but that doesn't mean he's sitting around passively waiting for that to end. The text says that he lived there two whole years at his own expense and did what? And welcomed all who came to him. I love this verse right now because our mission as a church is to extend the welcome of Jesus. And so it's tempting for all of us to think that this pandemic has killed that mission because things aren't like what we're used to it being. Time to reassess our mission. But Luke reminds us that we can be bound and we can still be hospitable. It's just going to look different. And in particular, the hospitality that is a kingdom hospitality that Paul models for us here is going to be creative. It's going to be costly, Christ-centered, and comprehensive. And so I want to look at each of those. Kingdom hospitality is creative. It has to be creative. For the church to grow in places like Rome in Paul's day, or like North Korea, or Iran in our day, the hospitality or the welcome of Jesus that we extend has to be creative, doesn't it? Verse 30 says that Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense. And welcomed all who came to him. Paul was chained to a Roman guard for two whole years. He probably had every excuse to press pause on extending the welcome of Jesus, didn't he? But he still cultivated a welcoming ministry somehow, in some way. He still saw and created opportunities for ministry. In fact, we know that Paul wrote the book or the letter to Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Philemon. He wrote all these amazing New Testament letters that we have in our scriptures uh, during this house arrest. During these two years chained to a guard. And he welcomed many people we read about in the New Testament. Tychicus, Onesimus, Epaphroditus. 
and others. And this has to be true for us as well. We are limited in what we can do. But that doesn't mean we can't still offer the welcome of Jesus. It just means we have to think and act outside of the box. Now is not the time for nostalgia as the church. We need to allow our limitations to spur creative ideas. Put this request on your daily prayer list. Lord, give me one creative idea to extend the welcome of Jesus to somebody this week. What if we all prayed that? What if all of us here listening right now prayed that? Lord, give me just one creative idea to extend the welcome of Jesus in this time, this week. Kingdom hospitality is creative. It's also costly. We see it in this passage. Luke wants us to know that Paul lived there two whole years at his own expense. Now, this is a great reminder that hospitality is not the same thing as entertaining. Entertaining is making room for others because you get something out of it. There's no cost, really. It's all gain. But hospitality, on the other hand is making room for others, often at great expense. And the expenses can be way more than money. Getting interrupted is expensive. Being inconvenienced is expensive. Paul does not want to exclude anyone from the life-giving welcome of Jesus, so he gladly embraces the cost of his house arrest. Guys, extending the welcome of Jesus these days is going to be costly. We're going to be inconvenienced and interrupted. And we must invite the struggles of others into our lives. We must open pathways with people about the hope that is within us about Jesus. But to do that, we have to make room for them. And that is costly. But that is kingdom hospitality. The third thing we see from this passage is that kingdom hospitality is Christ-centered. Paul isn't just welcoming people. He's welcoming them, and what's it say? Proclaiming the kingdom of God, verse 31, and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to notice two things about Paul's message. It's a proclamation, proclaiming the kingdom of God, and it's about a person. It's a proclamation and it's a person. Those two words are key for you because you might be thinking, I'm no apostle. I don't have Paul's mission, you might think. But here's the thing. We all are lowercase a apostles. We are all messengers of what Jesus has done. And so we need to take notes about Paul and we need to get our cues from Paul. And what we see Paul doing in his hospitality, extending the welcome of Jesus, is we see a proclamation and we see a person. And I want those two words to settle deep into your heart about what it is that you're called to do today as well as a Christ follower. The gospel we share to others is a proclamation. Not advice. Paul proclaims the kingdom of God, it says. It's a proclamation. Think of that word. A proclamation. What is a proclamation? You are simply saying something that happened. You're not giving advice. It's not a philosophy that you're encouraging others to take on. It's not advice to live well. 
It's a proclamation of a news event that happened. Jesus is king. He came, he lived, he died. He was raised and he is seated on the right hand of God and he is coming again. That happened. It happened. It's a verifiable historical fact that happened. And so we talk about that. It's a news event, not advice. And that's what we share with others. Some of you think you're not good enough to be a Christian. Or maybe these days it's more common to think you're too good to become a Christian. That's missing the point. Jesus is either king or not. Salvation either happened outside of you or it didn't happen outside of you. You accept it with empty hands of faith or you reject it at greatest cost. That's the message that we all carry. That's the message that Paul carries. It's a proclamation. We're not giving advice. We are proclaiming. And the second thing is the gospel that we share is a person, not principles. It's a person, not principles. Notice Paul teaches the Lord Jesus Christ. He teaches not principles. He teaches a person. He's, he's teaching a person. Religion shares principles. The message in religion is obey these principles and you will be saved, maybe. But the gospel, which means good news, it's a proclamation, shares a person. Our message is you are saved, rescued, redeemed by Jesus, a person, a real person. Therefore, we obey. We don't obey principles to maybe be saved. We are saved. We're rescued by Jesus. Therefore, we obey the Lord Jesus because we are saved and because of who Jesus is. This means that when we talk to others about the hope that's within us, we're inviting people into a relationship with Jesus. Not a self-help regime, not a self-care regime, not a religious program. But we are inviting, we are proclaiming people to people. King Jesus, kingdom hospitality must proclaim King Jesus. Or it's not hospitality as, as the scriptures portray. Kingdom hospitality is Christ-centered. And then kingdom hospitality is comprehensive. Luke points out that Paul welcomed who? Take a look, verse 30. He welcomed all who came to him. Now that word all is very important because what Luke is saying and what Paul's whole message is, is that the good news of Jesus is not just for Israel, but the good news of Jesus is for all, all nations, everyone without boundary and without any kind of border. And I will just ask you what boundaries and what borders are you placing on the proclamation of King Jesus? Are you only inviting and rubbing shoulders with people who look and talk like you. Kingdom hospitality will challenge you there. It's comprehensive. So as you can see, house arrest does not stop the welcome of Jesus. It does not stop the welcome of Jesus. It just challenges the way we do it. It challenges how we do it. Todd Bollinger has a book called Canoeing the Mountains. Canoeing the Mountains. Yes, you heard me right. Canoeing the Mountains. And in it, he describes 
the Lewis and Clark expedition. Lewis and Clark traveled west on rivers. They were rivermen. Their canoe and their paddles were their tools of the trade. It was their expertise. But when they hit the Rocky Mountain Range, they had to make a choice. Do we throw away our canoes and paddles and learn to climb? Or do we keep trying to canoe the mountains? See, they needed to learn to be mountaineers for the sake of the mission. And the same is true for Paul here. Paul had to throw away his paddles. Paul did not think, how can I work around this house arrest? How can I sort of uh, wait and press pause uh, during this house arrest? Instead, he thought, how can this house arrest actually be the new means of mission? The new way that I actually do mission. Paul did not get nostalgic. And the same has to be true for us. We have been paddling and paddling. It's time to start climbing. We must be more creative in our welcome. May God uh, use our church, not in spite of COVID, but precisely in the midst of COVID, precisely because of COVID. Let's think of one way this week that we can engage in kingdom hospitality right now instead of pressing pause. Kingdom hospitality. And so Luke is inviting us into kingdom hospitality, even though we're bound But there's one other thing he's inviting us to in these two verses. And that's a kingdom boldness. Look again at verse 31. It says, Paul Paul was in house arrest, what? Proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with what? With all boldness. That word boldness is what I want to focus on for the next few minutes. It's often used in the book of Acts and often used in three ways. It's a surprising boldness, number one. The boldness of Christians in the book of Acts is always surprising. Just turn back to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says this. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John... And perceived that they were uneducated common men. They were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. That's an amazing, amazing verse. Folks are asking, where did this boldness come from? It was not expected. And so there should be something shocking and equally surprising about Yours and my boldness these days. Now, the word boldness, let me be clear, does not mean rudeness. Bold does not equal rude. Paul says in Colossians, let your speech be always in grace, seasoned with salt. Let your speech be gracious, seasoned with salt. And remember, he wrote this letter While in prison, while in house arrest here, as we read these words, he wrote Colossians and he said, even as he's being bold, have a speech that is seasoned with salt that is gracious. Boldness is not harsh. Boldness is not needlessly offensive. Boldness is not abrasive. 
It's not a culture war, uh, culture war sort of terminology uh, or actions. No, boldness is simply doing something you wouldn't normally do for the sake of Jesus. That's boldness. It says they were clearly with Jesus. That's what people saw in Acts 4. These were common people who were just with Jesus. And so they're doing things for Jesus' sake. One scholar says in Acts, the word boldness seems to involve uncommon, inspired confidence in witness. Has to do with Jesus. Has to do with Jesus. Which takes us to our second point. Our boldness is not just surprising, but it must be Spirit-led. If you read down the page a bit on Acts 4 to verse 29, you'll see the source of boldness in the church. Verse 29 says, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with, there's that word, boldness. To speak about Jesus when you wouldn't otherwise requires boldness. And this can only come from the Holy Spirit. Oh, come Holy Spirit, right? That's our prayer. Come Holy Spirit and give us boldness. Francis Schaeffer, a long time ago, asked a question that still haunts me. He asked, would anything in your Christian life change if every reference to the Holy Spirit was removed from your Bible? Too often we settle for a flesh-powered ministry, which is often a flesh-powered timidity. It's possible for all of our church growth to be and to happen without the Holy Spirit. We can sort of make a church grow without reliance on, without asking for, without trust and being led by the Holy Spirit. It's possible for all of our decisions to be made without the Holy Spirit. But what the Bible clearly presents is a spirit-empowered supernatural boldness that rests upon and flows through the people of God. It's an amazing, amazing invitation. And I want to taste it more. And finally, our boldness is story-shaped. It's story-shaped. Notice that the book of, uh, of Acts has no closure. I mentioned this at the very beginning of our time. It has no closure. In fact, you are left asking, what on earth happened to Paul? What happens next? He's awaiting a trial with Nero. Did he get out? Did he continue on his mission? What happened? We are left wondering. And the fact that we're left wondering by Luke is on purpose. Luke is saying the church on down the ages from, from Paul to the first century, to the second century, to the third, fourth, fifth century, on down to right now, the 21st century, every single church uh, generation is writing the next chapter of the book of Acts. He's saying that the church, until Jesus returns, is finishing this story. There's a church planting movement called Acts 29, and they call themselves that because they see their church planting efforts as simply the next chapter in Acts, Acts chapter 29. That's exactly right. 
Luke is inviting us to a story-shaped boldness. The story of God can be described in six chapters. Chapter 1, creation. God made it all. Chapter 2, fall. We and our parents messed it all up. Chapter 3, Israel. God's starting a new thing to bless the world. Chapter 4, Jesus. Chapter 5, the mission of the church. Church planting. Chapter 6, the new heavens and the new earth. When Jesus comes and makes all things new. Now, what chapter are we in? What chapter are we in? Luke is telling us we are in chapter 5. We are in the mission of the church. Church planting. We are in the proclamation chapter where we are proclaiming Jesus to others. That's the chapter we're in. We're in chapter 5 and we're moving to chapter 6 when Jesus returns to make all things new. And so what we are doing is we are called to have a a story-shaped boldness. We know where we've been and we know where we're going. The scriptures themselves give us signposts that picture uh, uh, pictures that show us exactly where we're going. And we know exactly where we are in the story. And that ought to give us boldness. We are walking toward, we are marching towards the restoration and the renewal of all things because of King Jesus. That should make us bold. We're going somewhere. We're a part of something so much bigger than our small story. It is so easy to get wrapped up in our news feed and to get wrapped up even in our decade. But we need to look like millennia out and see that we're taking part in God's story of redemption. You and I are are a part of something huge. That ought to give us a boldness that nobody else has. See, Luke invites us to boldness in our daily Christian life because the mission of God is what? It's unhindered. We may be hindered. We may feel bound like Paul. We may actually be hindered in some ways. Even though Paul and countless Christians after him are bound, the gospel will never be bound. It grows and it expands because of hardship. Not just in spite of hardship. I like to talk about the concept of anti-fragility. It's a word coined by thinker Nassim Taleb. And he says that some things are fragile, like a vase. They break easily. Some things are sturdy, like a stapler. They don't break easily. But there is a third category. Some things actually grow and get stronger under adversity. These things he calls anti-fragile. His example is the Greek myth of Hydra. Every time you cut off one head, what happens? Two grow in its place. Hydra is not fragile. Hydra is not sturdy. Hydra is anti-fragile. Sturdy things don't grow. Fragile things don't grow. Anti-fragile things grow. And there are other things in life that are anti-fragile like this. A fire grows in wind. Muscles get stronger with the stress of exercise. An immune system can get stronger when they receive a vaccine. In Japan, there is a technique 
for weatherproofing wood, making wood stronger and more resilient by purposefully charring the surface. And I could go on. In fact, I will go on. The mission of the church is anti-fragile. The more it's boxed in, the more it spreads out. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.8, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal, but the word of God is not bound, Paul says. Tertullian said, The blood of martyrs is the seed of the church, by which he meant the persecution of God's people is the very means through which the church somehow grows. The fastest growing church in the world right now, as I speak, to my knowledge, is in the country of Iran. So friends, let's be bold. Even as our options for normal ministry are minimized, the gospel is still going forth and always will. It is across the world in ways we can't even imagine. And guess what? You get to be part of that, and I get to be a part of that too. We are still a church that extends the welcome of Jesus. And may we be like a fire. As the wind of this pandemic blows, we grow only bigger and stronger. Lord, make it so. We pray, Lord, that you would indeed give us a kingdom hospitality like we see in the last few verses of Acts and a kingdom boldness that comes only from your spirit. And it's in Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information about our church and for more resources like this, visit our website at hopechurchcolumbus.org.